Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So, Mike, we are finishing out this magnificent section of Isaiah 40 through 55, um, and we're going to talk through chapter 55 this time. Isaiah 40 began with a consolation, Mm -hmm. comfort and keep comforting my people, says your God. Isaiah 55 is closing with an invitation. Yeah. All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You without money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money. It's free. Mm -hmm. Take us through this invitation. Yeah. So you see this, yeah, invitation is a great word, is come. Uh, In verse six, it's seek. Um, But but the the metaphor of of obtaining uh, food that is nourishing, that is um, a, a picture of bounty and uh, satisfaction and pleasure with with the food, with the bread, with the milk, with the wine. And it's an invitation to come. And it's interesting. It uses the language of buying, but you need no silver for this. You're not you're not needing to weigh out silver for this. It's free. It's freely given and freely offered. And and there's this contrast between this free gift and purchase. Um, that is satisfying and nourishing and full of delight and joy with this other avenue of, you know, buying something with all this money that ultimately does not satisfy. That's not real food. Um, and, and in the same way, we've seen this contrast throughout 40 and 55 between Yahweh, the creator and king of the cosmos, and these dumb idols that are blocks of wood and stone that you cut off part of the, the the tree and fashion it into an idol and you are successful if it doesn't totter and fall over, right? There's such a strong contrast between Yahweh and the other gods throughout this section. And we see this here in this invitation in the opening of 55. You can come and, and receive this nourishment and the satisfaction uh, and bounty from God for free, or you can spend all your money on something that's not going to satisfy in any way. Well said. Well said. So, you know, I, I really appreciate you contrasting this to the idols mm-hmm. because idols are where the excess of the yeah. empire has led them to. Yeah. And verse two, why spend money for what isn't food? Your wages for what doesn't satisfy. Listen carefully to me and you will eat well. You will enjoy the fat of the land. This just jumps off the page to me that God is calling his people to listen to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if we work this forward to the New Testament, it's kind of like a statement that somebody made about mm-hmm. blessings to the poor in spirit because yeah. they will be. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Right. Um Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. For they They'll shall be satisfied. be satisfied. Right. So many of the Beatitudes are hearkening back to this language. Yeah, absolutely. A kingdom is going to be granted to the poor. The hungry and the thirsty will be satisfied. But what God is wanting of his people 
is not for them to buy their own way into the kingdom. He's mm-hmm. not wanting them to work their way into the kingdom. He is simply wanting them to listen mm-hmm. for their way into the kingdom. This yeah. is the gospel that the Apostle Paul preached. Yeah, absolutely. That we are saved not by our own wages and not by our own works, but rather we are saved by the graciousness of our God, and we need to listen to him. We need to open our ears. We need to listen well to the grace that God has given to his people. Yeah. Now, this works this into verse 4, that yeah. David has been given as a witness to the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, why is he bringing David here in at the last minute, it seems? Well, he he uses David as a as a reference point for this covenant that he make, says he'll make with them, right? So this invitation in one and two, beginning of three, is is ultimately an invitation to covenant with God. If you come to me, if you listen, I will make a covenant with you, as I made to to David, and, and according to these these same faithful mercies that I show David, and and <clears throat> David is you know witness almost as a as an example as a precedent as as God made a covenant with David and kept that covenant so also he will he will make this covenant with you and 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 as David was elevated he was taken from the the um the sheep folds the the shepherding ground to rule in in as, as king and and subdue nations so also you will call a nation you do not know a nation which knows you not will run to you because of Yahweh your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for he's glorified you. And so if we think back to what we saw, what we've seen throughout this whole section, but even as most recently in chapter 54 and verse 3 and talking about how Israel will possess the nations, we see another picture of this, this rise to glory and and the, and where the nations fit into all this. Very well said. Very well said. So this is the invitation based upon everything that's happened in Isaiah 40 through 55. Because again, yeah. Isaiah 40 through 55 has been wrestling with God is going to restore his people. What about the Gentiles? Yeah. But the promise of Isaiah is far greater than any human could come up with that the lion and lamb are going to eat together here. Right. And yeah, absolutely. Literally, enemies are going to be reconciled through the servant and a nation that you don't know, verse five, is going to run to you. So that's the beginning. Now, we didn't start our discussion uh, this time with an outline because, as you've and I've said before, I don't think that Isaiah 55 is as uh, easy to segment as some earlier. Yeah, segments. yeah. But it's it's it, not this neat and tidy little little block. Yeah. Well, right. But at least the first five verses here are an invitation. As right, we yeah. then work through verse six to verse seven, it's perhaps a second invitation. Seek yeah. the Lord while he is available. Call yes. on him while he is still nearby. Let the wicked person abandon his way, the evil person his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai, and he will have mercy on him. Let him return to our God, for he will freely forgive. Yeah. Now, this final refrain here of free forgiveness, I think, makes sense of the monetary idea in verses mm-hmm. 1 to 2. Take us yeah. through this invitation in 6 and 7. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I mean, the way you said it is perfect. It's a second invitation. It's a renewed invitation. The first is come by uh, and share in this food. Now it's just more direct. Seek Yahweh. Seek the Lord. Right. Um, and that means repentance and turning from unrighteousness and injustice and and wickedness. Um, 
And the, but this promise though, right. This whole section then is, is going to be grounded in this idea of promise, the truth of who God is and what he says he's going to do. And that promise is, as you said, he will, my translation says he will abundantly pardon. He will have compassion uh, on him. Um, And, and then we, we turn from that, right. That promise of pardon and, and you think, you know, if we if we set this in its historical context and think about um, all the ways Israel has affronted God and rebelled against him and um, blasphemed him and profaned him and to think that he would abundantly pardon them. Um, that's that's mind blowing to to. Um, to imagine, to acknowledge, to embrace the, the the level of forgiveness here, and yet he explains that in eight through nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares Yahweh. For as Don't the heavens are yet. higher. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Don't get ahead of me. Yet. Stay in verse seven. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Seven. That's okay. So yeah, let, let, I wanted to give you a segue into verse eight, but you didn't oh, give I'm me sorry. a chance. I'm so sorry. Here's I segue my, here's, myself. Here's my segue. Okay. So alley oop into myself. Sorry about that. Is that a sports analogy? (laughs) It is. is. It's a basketball analogy. I made an absolute idiot of myself by trying to make a basketball analogy in uh, class a few Sunday mornings ago. So I'm sure that you use that one appropriately. Okay. So here's my segue. Here's my segue. Okay. Isaiah 40 Mm -hmm. had this question that was asked twice yeah with whom then will you compare god Mm, by what standard will you evaluate him yeah that's great isaiah 40 begins with this proclamation god is different god is different this is what carl bart calls the otherness of god god Mm -hmm. is other from the human and for a long time if you had asked me what makes god other from us i would have said Mm. the big three omniscience omnipresence um, and omnipotence. And there's some truth to that. I think that's, that's, that's a partial truth, but, but here's my segue in Isaiah 55. If you had to ask Isaiah, what makes God wholly other from us? Yeah. How would Isaiah answer? Uh, how how do you, what's the Latin of this omni forgiveness, (laughs) 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 omni, omni pardon, Omni, you know, let's grab a little Greek omne agape, right? Yes. You know, you know, I it's think his, it's Keras. It's Keras. Yeah. It's yeah. the omni Keras of God. The yeah. Keras is the Greek word for grace. Right. Yeah. What now this, I'll take it away here for a sec. Okay. Um, I'll make my own layup here for a sec. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, get me a step ladder. <laughs> Okay. I love so, it. We 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 need to talk sports on this so much more often. This is, this is great. Yeah, exactly. All right. So here I'm, ta- I'm I'm going into the end zone. So if you if you think <laughs> Okay, if you think through, if you think through what makes God different from us. The way that I think I thought for a long time was it was God's eternal attributes of just mm, sure. he knows more than us. He is yeah. more powerful than us. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he can be more places than we can. And yeah. it's always in reference to what makes God more powerful than us. Sure. And yes, yeah. we need to, we need to hold on to that. 
I think mm-hmm. especially in our postmodern age where everybody has their internal truth. No, we need more recognition of the eternality of God. Yeah. But if you look at the revelation of Jesus Christ that Isaiah is promising up here, what actually makes God different from us is his propensity to forgive. His propensity to extend forgiveness where we would give condemnation, his propensity to give love where we would give covetousness, his propensity to give forgiveness where we would give accusation. Yeah. That's what makes God wholly other from us. Absolutely. You and I joked beforehand when we were talking through verses eight and nine, you said that, you know, this is not just saying God is smarter than us. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I've heard this verse used in sermons all sure, my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are verses eight and nine actually claiming about God? Yeah. God will abundantly pardon in ways that we right. can't imagine that boggles our minds and busts our brains. Yeah. I mean, we have such a hard time forgiving someone for small offenses, but God yeah. is forgiving his people of spiritual adultery and idolatry and injustice. Yeah. This is the God who is going to give his own son as ransom for his people's sins. Absolutely. This is what God is going to offer to his people. And, and Isaiah 55 should be, should be taking our hearts to the heights of praise for God's super abundant grace that he is going to offer. That's how Paul describes it at the end of Romans 5. So. Then, as we get into 10 and 11, it's a proclamation of the word of God, which again harkens back to Isaiah 40. So let me just read these verses. For just as rain and snow fall from the sky and do not return there, but water the earth, causing it to bud and produce, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me unfulfilled but it will accomplish what I intend and cause to succeed what I sent it to do. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. these verses. Like yeah. these, again, this is like every theological concept I love to teach about in two verses. Yeah. John 12, I think is p- p- t- taking this all the way forward where the word of God is going to fall from heaven and be buried in the earth. Hmm. And as he falls into the earth, is then going to bring forth newness of life to all of God's creation. Yeah. What story did I just tell? Mm, the story of, mm, let me think. Yeah. yeah. The, but the, the children's Bible class answer says, Jesus. Jesus. Good job, Mike. Yeah. You get a sticker, right? Yeah. This this is this is the story of Jesus, the word of God falling to the earth, being buried in the ground and bringing fruitfulness fruitfulness yeah. mm-hmm. to, to, to all of God's good creation. Yeah. And because of this, then verse 12, yes, you will go out with joy. You will be led forth in peace. As you come, the mountains and hills will burst into songs. The trees in the countryside will clap their hands. Cypresses will grow in the place of thorns. Myrtles will grow instead of briars. This will bring fame to Adonai as an eternal, imperishable sign. Now, for a long time in my life, I would have said, that's just silly. (laughs) Um, Like, why didn't he end in verse 11? Talk about the word of God and people listening. Now he has to add all this frou-frou language about mountains and hills singing and trees and thorns and briars and all this. What is going on here? Put yeah. this in a New Testament vision. I mean, it's it's 
I mean, it's the foundation of the New Testament vision of hope of of new creation. Um, I, I, in my own sort of outline and notes of this section, I just called twelve through thirteen, "Behold, new creation," which which is uh, language from Second Corinthians five when it talks about if anyone's in Christ, behold, new creation. He's a new yeah. creature. Um, but it also <clears throat> not only do we do we think about our own. Um, transformation and the new creation within us, but the the vision of, of by the time we get to the end of Revelation and, and, and our hope on the other side of Christ's return and, and the resurrection of the dead is he makes all things new. And, and so here you see that that language of new creation here, this 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 picture of restoration through the language of new creation. Yes. And it's and it's just so I mean <clears throat> if we would if we would actually take the time and engage our imaginations and picture this it's it's so beautiful inspiring um the idea of of as as the people going out of exile to this this place of restoration you've got mountains and hills these these images of of ancient stability and sturdiness, um, breaking forth into shouts of joy, right? To, to, to envision a mountain just spontaneously erupting into joy and shouts of joy. The trees just clapping, clapping their hands. And, and uh, this is the in, hymns, right? In, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. In, you know, in celebration. Lord of the um, Rings. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, and the, and to see the transformation of the landscape from thorn bush to cypress, from nettle to myrtle, just uh, green, lush uh, flowers and blooms and beauty, um, glory all around. And all of this just underscores the faithfulness and awesomeness of God. Yeah. So often, Mike, I've said that the story of the Bible is the story of trees. It begins with humanity being condemned by their rebellion at a tree, and yet God is going to redeem humanity again through a tree, which right. will then bring forth an invitation to another tree. Yeah, uh, It's the whole story of the Bible. But but I'm also coming to see more fully that the story of the Bible is the story of mountains. Mm, yeah, And what God is promising as the penultimate event here. His mountains will be singing. No more will thorns and briars and thistles grow, but the mountains themselves will be singing. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 truly that image of joy to the world, joy yeah. to the whole world, Amen. you know, joy to yeah. creation. The mountains are singing joy to yeah. creation. The hills are singing joy to creation. The trees are clapping. Everything in creation has been renewed, but we have to is- make sure that we end not triumphalist, but Christian. Yeah. What has offered this renewal of creation? Again, it's that suffering servant. 100%, right? Yeah. And any message of Isaiah 40 through 55 has to hold these two together. Yeah. Isaiah is promising both the singing of the mountains, but also the suffering of the servant. Yeah, that's right. And that's where we as Christians hold our faith, is that the Son of God has come to bear the sins of his people and set us free and to deliver us. And through his great act, God is bringing about a restoration and a renewal of all things. 
And that is the message that Isaiah is preaching to us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Thank you.